0: Turn in your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter thirteen. Hebrews thirteen, going to be going to read verses seven through sixteen. We're uh, drawing to an end or to a close of our uh, uh, lengthy series through the book of Hebrews, and uh, Hebrews thirteen is the last chapter. And so uh, we've got a few more sermons after today. Uh, my plan uh, following Hebrews is uh, to preach a series through the book of Mark, and so just that you're aware of that, uh, I thought it would be good to uh, hit one of the Gospels, and uh, and I've never preached through the Gospel of Mark from beginning to end, and so uh, I'm eagerly anticipating that study and that series together, Uh, but today we're looking at Hebrews 13, verses 7 and following. Let us uh, quiet our hearts and hear the Word of God. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the high places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp. And bear the reproach that he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Let's pray. Father, we ask your blessing on us now as we hear your word proclaimed. Give us, Lord, ears to hear and make our hearts receptive so that, Lord, your word would not return empty or void, but it would accomplish your purposes and that we may bear fruit to the glory of your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may please be seated. In chapter 13 of Hebrews, it's laying out for us what does the life of faith look like. You recall that the the real uh, uh, thrust of the book of Hebrews is to encourage hurting, debilitated Christians, those who are even tempted to, to leave the faith, to encourage them to keep the faith. It's to encourage them to hold fast and to cling to Jesus Christ. That's the the whole thrust, the whole purpose of Hebrews. And then Hebrews uh, 12 and 13 really lay out for us, what does that look like in life, that faith? How does that play out in real life? And so, you know, one of the things he says in, in chapter 13 is that we love one another. We have brotherly love for one another, that those who are in Christ Jesus, that they, they will know you by your love. And that is being reiterated, that those words of Jesus is being reiterated here in chapter 13. And that means we show hospitality. And we're, we, we care for the prisoners and those who are hurting. That we have a, a sympathetic love toward those who are struggling. It means that we honor marriage. And it means that we are content. All of these we have, in the last uh, several weeks, been focusing on and looking at as we uh, have studied Hebrews chapter 13 together. Faith in the promises of God, holding on to Christ, is that power to live a salty life. (laughs) a radical, shining Christian life by holding the faith, by holding on to Jesus Christ. And now, with the passage we're looking at, the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us to live in faithful submission to authority. We see that in verse 7, and then in, again repeated in verses, uh, verse 17 and following. He repeats that. And this can only be done when we're focused on Christ. And so our life of faith, whatever you know, all that is involved in your life and my life. And there's so much, isn't there? When we think about, you know, our, our, our health and our bodies keeping, keeping us uh, healthy, our family, the work that we're engaged in, um, recreation and, and sports, school, studying, eating, sleeping. Talking, listening, traveling, laughing, crying. I mean, we can go on and on about our life that we are engaged in. Is Christ present in these things? Is he foundational? Or is he peripheral? Or another way to say this is, do you have a Sunday faith or a Christ-centered life? And what, that's what we're going to be thinking about uh, and, and focusing on this morning, is, is that, that, that faith, that, which is when true, is Christ-centered, not peripheral. We're not just Sunday Christians with a Sunday faith, but it is who we are in Christ Jesus. So one of the ways that this plays out is consider faithful leaders. That's, so so my, my points this morning are consider faithful leaders, be strengthened by grace, and uh, look to Christ and cling to Jesus Christ. Consider faithful leaders, first of all. Consider faithful leaders. This is verse uh, 7. Remember your leaders who spoke God's word to you. Likely, what this is referring to is that there uh, there was a first generation of teachers to this congregation, and it seems as though that torch has been passed over to the next generation of teachers. And these first generation, the writer is saying, Remember them. Remember how they spoke God's word to you. Remember the way they lived and, you know, consider that, but then also imitate their faith. You you know, there's an importance, I think, and, and that's certainly true in the book of Hebrews, of recognizing others in whom the Holy Spirit has dwelt and who lived a life of faith, and to, to recognize them. Hebrews eleven, the heroes of the faith. That's precisely the point of that chapter. I've enjoyed uh, you know, reading Biographies uh, of Christians uh, in, who've lived in the past. And uh, they've been, I think, a great encouragement uh, to me when I have read such biographies. Martin Lloyd Jones, I read a uh, lengthy biography of Martin Lloyd Jones. George Whitfield, uh, uh, a, a great preacher, and read his the biography of George Whitfield and several others. We are to consider the outcome of their way of life. you see that in verse seven. consider the outcome of their way of life the outcome you know literally that means the exit. <laughs> consider their exit of, the, the, of, in other words what this is what this is saying is not their their conduct so much, or even their accomplishments, but look at the whole course of their life, especially the outcome of it, the, the, the end of it, especially what, what has resulted as, as a result of their life, what has come out of their life. Consider that. How did they run? Did they hold fast till the end, or did they... Did they bail? Did they jump off the race, out of the race? Did they finish well? You see, that's what Hebrews is about. Persevering and finishing well in the faith. And all of us are tempted at times. We are, as, a, as the church, as a, as a truly Bible-believing church, a confessional church, we are so out of step with our culture today, with the world in which we live, and that is just increasingly so, and, the, and, and it's no fun to be out of step. <laughs> it's, it's no fun to be thought of by the world as strange, wackos, and there's so many other words that we can add to that, and that the, the, the world will call us hateful. The, 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 They'll call us haters just because we don't go in line with their thinking. And that's no fun. And the temptation is, I'm tired of this. And I'm tired of being involved in a a church where we gather on Sundays. And, you know, it's not very exciting we don't have the praise band to entertain. It's it's sitting, singing some old songs a lot of times. <laughs> you know, and then quietly now, hearing the word preached. This is so countercultural. And the temptation is, eh, I'm going to bag it. I've had enough of that. I don't want to be on the outs. And this is written to us to say, hold on. Hold on. And not only does the writer point us to, uh, to the Old Testament saints of Hebrews 11. Abel, Cain, Cain uh, well, Abel, the blood of Abel, and, and, and Enoch, and and Abraham, and Sarah, and Moses, and all of the saints that are listed there, but they're saying, look closer to that. Look at at those who served you and brought the word of God to you and take notice of their faith. They held on. They kept going. In a sense... It'd be like saying to you, remember Pastor Carl and how he served faithfully in your church among you, and he brought the word of God to you faithfully. Remember that. Keep the faith. That's, that's what the writer's doing here. Consider your faithful leaders and imitate their faith. Again, it, it isn't imitate their conduct. That's not what it's saying here. But copy, imitate their faith. If we try to imitate the conduct of those who've gone before us, well, that can easily become... Well, you can easily become a religious fake, the spiritual counterfeit, a hypocrite, just kind of doing the outward motions and that... That's not what the writer wants. People who have learned, you know, by doing that, you become a people who have learned sort of the form of godliness, but know nothing of the power that comes from genuine faith. So it isn't imitate their conduct. The writer says take note of their conduct and the outcome of, of their faith, but it's imitate their faith. And Christ is the object, and that's where this is going. Verse 8, Jesus Christ, he is the object of their faith. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. Just like they trusted Jesus in the past, so he continues to be trustworthy today for you and tomorrow because Jesus is the same. He is the same yesterday when they trusted. He is the same today when you trust him. And he will be the same tomorrow when you trust him. That is the life of faith. Verse 5, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This faith that we are to imitate is a faith in future grace as well as past grace and present grace. Faith that the living Jesus who helped yesterday will help today and tomorrow. Consider your faithful leaders. But then the rest of it is be strengthened by grace. Secondly, be strengthened by grace, verses 9 through 16 of this passage. It is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, verse 9. Is your heart strong? I'm not talking about this beating organ that's in your chest, is your heart strong, the non-physical, non-material you, the inner you, the you that thinks and feels and wills and hopes and fears and trusts and longs and grieves and rejoices. That you is your heart strong. And the strength of heart is to be the kind of person described in chapter 13, verses 1 through 6 that we've already looked at. And so, interesting, as the writer of Hebrews bears this out, he says, it's not by foods, that's not, how, that's not what's, what's going to do it. Not by the foods we eat. Evidently, there were strange teachings circulating about the, like, the power of foods. still happening, isn't it? (laughs) There's still a lot of that today. So many uh, food routines uh, today, fasting and abstinence and taking supplements and vitamins and organic diets and antioxidants and fat-free, sugar-free, GMO-free. We can go on and on about all the kinds of foods and the all, kind, all the kinds of programs that people are engaged in in their foods. And this is not to denigrate, by the way, eating healthy, and it's not to denigrate anybody who may have physical Uh, uh, issues, which requires them to have a certain diet or anything like that. That's not the point. The point is to have a strengthened heart is not going to come by the foods you eat. That's not what it is. These kind of things can become very obsessive. The foods we eat. People can be obsessed over all these things and can can take on a life-consuming importance. And uh, I think you know by reading a passage like this, it's really it's it's really saying don't be obsessed by that. Don't elevate your diet and food to the primary place of strength giving, because that's not going to accomplish it. It's not the primary place of health giving and of hope giving in your life. It is strengthening your heart. By grace, not by food, by grace. And then the writer gets into this kind of interesting and even little confusing part about altars and those who serve at the tent and animals that... Blood is used for the sacrifice, and then their body is taken out. What is going on here? What What is the writer doing here? Let's look at that a moment. First of all, let's see that the cross of Jesus Christ is the true altar. Look at verse 10 with me in this passage. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. What is being said there? Those who serve the tent... Well, that is, of course, referring to Jewish priests who have rejected Jesus as the Messiah. That's what is being talked about here. But who go on serving in the tabernacle, who go on serving, who go on involving themselves in Old Testament worship, Old Testament sacrifices. And... All that they are doing in that process of offering sacrifices, bulls and and goats and such, is all of that was given to Old Testament Israel to point to Jesus Christ, to bring them to Jesus Christ. All of those sacrifices pointed to Jesus as the final sacrifice and the cross of Jesus Christ as the final altar of sacrifice. The altar here is the cross, and the final sacrifice offered once for all for our sins is the blood of Jesus Christ, and that is where our food is found. This is why, as I was preparing this message, I was thinking, what a bummer that we happen on this Sunday not to be able to partake of the Lord's Supper, (laughs) because all of this is about feeding on Christ, feeding on Christ. It's that He is the food. For our souls go to the altar to eat the blood brought the blood bought grace of forgiveness and hope that that altar the cross of jesus christ is the table of grace the cross is the altar and jesus is the final sacrifice The Jewish sacrifices, particularly on the Day of Atonement, I think is being referred to here in Leviticus 16, where the blood, and you know, whenever you you start digging into Old Testament sacrifices, it's it's kind of an ugly, messy business. The blood of the sacrificed bull and goat is taken into the Holy of Holies and sprinkled there to cover the sins of the people. The bodies of the bulls and the goats, so you take the blood, you, you, you get the blood out, but the body, there's still a carcass, there's still a body that remains. Those bodies were taken outside of the camp and burned. So the blood was kept and that was sprinkled, but the bodies were taken outside of the camp and burned. And those sacrifices, those bodies were not eaten by the people as with some other sacrifices. So the nourishment that the people received on the Day of Atonement was forgiveness and hope, not meat. That's, was the, that was the blessing. That was the nourishment that they received. And then verse twelve. in verse 12, we see the comparison with Jesus Christ. Jesus has fulfilled the sacrifices of the, days of the Day of Atonement. They're completed in Christ Jesus. They find their final meaning in Jesus Christ. And all there was to eat on the Day of Atonement was forgiveness and hope. That's what the people received. And so, too, the writer is making that compar- comparison with Jesus' sacrifice. We receive forgiveness. And hope. And so the life of faith is focused on, on Jesus and, and, and eat, eats and, and, and feeds on and drinks Christ. Do you want your heart to be strong? Who can, who can love one and each other with brotherly love and take in strangers and care for prisoners Stay undefiled, whether married or single. Who can, who can not love money and the things of this world? How does that happen? The answer is here. Stay beneath the cross of Jesus Christ and feed on His grace always. That's the strength that God delights in. Not our health and our diet and physical strength, when we die, and if Christ doesn't return any time in our lifetime, we are going to die, no food and no diet will matter at all at that point. But one thing will matter. Were you nourished on the altar of grace? Did you f- feed on... Did you rest in, did you hope in the finished work of Jesus Christ? That's what matters. And that's what this is about. If I am forgiven, and if I have Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, my heart will be strong. Such is the glory of grace in the Christian life. And so I want to just say to you, look to Jesus. This is the whole point of Hebrews, and it it comes back here. Look to Jesus. Is that you, brothers and sisters? Is that your profession? If you do not... Enjoy that forgiveness that comes in Christ alone. If you don't have that hope of continued blessing in Jesus Christ, then I encourage, invite you to turn from these earthly things that cannot satisfy, that will not help, and rather, put your trust in Jesus and in his grace. Truly taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that Christ is the once-for-all sacrifice for sins, that he is the Savior, the only one, but we need no other. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen our hearts in grace, nourish our souls, refresh us by your Spirit, and strengthen us. May others, Lord, see in us that we are not our own. But we've been bought, not with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. What a blessing. Lord, we give you thanks. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.